welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. In John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Our goal is to encourage everyone to grow in the Christian faith by anchoring themselves to the secure truth found in the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. Jesus had worked a lot of miracles among the people, but they were still not willing to have faith in him. This happened so that what the prophet Isaiah had said would come true. Lord, who has believed our message and who has seen your mighty strength? The people could not have faith in Jesus because Isaiah had also said, the Lord has blinded the eyes of the people and he has made the people stubborn. He did this so that they could not see or understand, and so that they would not turn to the Lord and be healed. Isaiah said this because he saw the glory of Jesus and spoke about him. John chapter 12, verses 37 through 41, Contemporary English Version. Hello, I'm Victoria Kay. Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. We're excited to be with you as 2021 gets underway. Today on Anchored by Truth, we're continuing our series of discussions about objections that are often raised against the existence of God. We're examining five specific objections that you often hear, and we're looking to see whether those objections are rational when you take a detailed look at them. Today we have a special guest with us on the show. Doug Apple, who is the manager of Wave 94 Radio Station in Tallahassee, Florida. Like a lot of people in Christian radio, Doug is a diligent student of the Bible, and he has thought deeply about his faith. This includes wanting to help others see that the Christian faith is a faith that will not only satisfy our souls, but also our minds. Today, Doug is going to help us take a detailed look at one of the many common objections lodged against Christianity that because we can't detect God with our five senses, that there is no good reason to believe in Him. But before we get into that discussion, Doug, would you like to take a couple of minutes and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I guess one way to describe myself, I have a cell phone. I created my own case for the cell phone just so I could have great big on the back of it the words that say, All In. That's what I want to be for Jesus. I want to be all in for the Lord. And I've tried to completely dedicate my life to serving him and fulfilling my part in the body of Christ, which does include Christian radio as well as church work and work with my children and grandchildren, wife and family and being a part of the community. So being all in for Jesus to me means fulfilling my part in the body of Christ. Thank you, Doug. And just for the listener's benefit, after today, we expect Doug to be with us for the next four shows as we address more specific objections that are often raised about how we can be certain of God's existence. Now, before we begin our discussion for today, we'd like to listen to an extract from Crystal Sea's upcoming epic poem, The Genesis Saga. The part we're going to hear is called Truth in Genesis, and it contains in poetic form many of the concepts we'll be covering today and throughout the next several episodes on Anchored by Truth. So, everyone needs to put their thinking caps on. Even though the lines in Truth in Genesis are rhythmical, 
Some of them address some of the most important questions about how we can be sure that God did in fact create the universe, life, and our ability to recognize His royal hand. It has been many thousands of years since the start of creation's tale. So long ago was light released. Now with legends of origins, we are regaled. Some say that all we can see, all we can touch, taste, or feel came from nothing and nobody as if such an idea could be real. Some say that heavens and earth have always been in existence. They assuredly assert that there is no God, and they do so with great persistence. They say that atoms, energy, and space stretch back into eternity past. They find no place for a creator who's good in a cosmos that came from a blast. The laws of physics and chemistry, they say, tell us all that we need to know about how bright stars burn in the heavens and provide light throughout the cosmos. But if all that came from a bang, where did the bang come from? If no mind or architect played any part, wouldn't chaos be all that could come? The universe exhibits order and plan. Can design without a designer spread? And how can living creatures appear and arise from inanimate particles that are dead? The smallest cell holds billions of atoms organized with exquisite precision. Did all those brilliant molecular machines come to life with no mind's decision? And those who with great vigor contend that dead things gave rise to the living, when faced with those who believe otherwise, often aren't very forgiving. They tell us we must turn from God and let their explanation of origins speak. But it would be easier to trust their claims if from their science the truth hadn't leaked. If the universe is protons and electrons and some energy that enables them to link, then how does this random collection give them the ability to think? Can random, purposeless matter give the skill to reason and reflect? Wouldn't it take an omnipotent being, logic with flesh to connect? If they are right, their minds are built of particles that have no design. So why would any care what their particles dictate 
when their particles deny the divine. God created man in his image. Part of that image is free will. If that will is used to deny the Creator, the serpent is in the garden still. Man abused free will, causing the fall, as he followed foul temptation. But God knew all that would come and planned for man's reclamation. In the courts of heaven, the glorious three had selected a people to save. All men sin and fall short of the goal, but there's no need to lie in the grave. Men and Nations People everywhere, 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 everywhere. The true son wants your sin to bear. He made morning stars. He makes all things new. He made all creation. He can surely save you. Just by listening to those lines, you can see that there are some pretty important concepts that are covered. But we may be getting a little ahead of ourselves. It might be best to remind everyone that the basis for this Lord of Logic series is the fact that all too often we hear things in discussions about God that sound profound, but when you look at them, you find out that they are not only not reasonable, but they are actually self-defeating. I'd like to remind everyone of some of the things we've been discussing in our first few episodes in this series. One of the most important things we've discussed so far in our Lord of Logic series is that there are assertions or statements that can seem to make sense, but when you look at them carefully, you find out that they are actually self-defeating, self-refuting, or simply irrational. For example, when surveyed, over 50% of Americans will agree with the statement, quote, there is no such thing as absolute truth, unquote. This often includes people who self-identify as Christians. But if someone were to agree that there is no such thing as absolute truth, we could then ask them a follow-up question as to whether or not the statement itself is absolutely true. So, it's easy to see that the statement, there is no such thing as absolute truth, is self-defeating. And another thing that you and R.D. have talked about is that there's a difference between being able to explain the origin of a phenomena and the operation of a phenomena. For instance, it's one thing to be able to explain how the sun generates light and heat, how it operates, but that's quite different than being able to explain how the sun arrived in the place it now occupies in space and time. No one on Earth was alive when the sun first appeared. So while we can speculate all we want about how the sun began its existence, the truth is, 
Anyone who engages in such speculation is trying to determine from present data what happened in the past. An exception to this, of course, is the Bible, since the Bible is God's special revelation to men, and God was there when he put the sun into the heavens. The point is that knowing how something operates is quite different from knowing how it originated. Exactly. And you begin to see the importance of making that distinction when you move beyond purely physical phenomena, like matter and energy, or even space and time. The mere existence of life is amazing when you think about it. As we heard from the poem, quote, The universe exhibits order and plan. Can design without a designer spread? How can living creatures appear and arise from inanimate particles that are dead? Unquote. We know that there are phenomena that exist within our experience that it is impossible to explain in the absence of a superintending intelligence directing the activity of the universe we see. There are only two rational possibilities that can be offered to explain the existence of the universe. The universe was either created by someone or something that is self-existent, that is, that the entity possesses the power of existence unto it and by itself, or the universe itself is self-existent. Yes, but let's be clear about something. The possibility that the universe was created by someone or something that is self-existent, I'm just going to say God, automatically includes within that possibility that intelligence was involved in the creation of the universe. Those people who see the universe as being self-existent without a separate creator often believe that no intelligence was involved in the universe's formation. They attribute the current state of the universe entirely to impersonal, physical, or chemical processes. That creates a huge problem when you think about the personal attributes that we see present in human experience. Because that would mean that personal, mental, and conceptual attributes, like purpose, logic, and language, are created by the random and chaotic collision of inanimate matter. That defies common sense. Randomly created logic would mean that any conclusions reached through the use of that logic are themselves the product of randomness, including the thought that random activity created the thought to begin with. Wow. And I thought R.D. was the only one who was going to create headaches during this series. But your point is well taken. The notion that there was no personal directing intelligence behind the universe's formation makes it very hard or impossible to explain the intelligence that we believe we possess. That thought is brought home through the lines from Truth in Genesis, quote, If the universe is protons and electrons and some energy that enables them to link, then how does this random collection give them the ability to think? Can random, purposeless matter give the skill to reason and reflect? Wouldn't it take an omnipotent being, logic, with flesh to connect? Unquote. Randomly created intelligence isn't just an oxymoron. It's a blatant contradiction. Anyway, let's see how all this background information applies to a specific objection that is often raised about God's existence. The idea that because we can't see God, or hear God, or touch God, that there is no evidence that God actually exists. Where do you want to begin? Well, let's start by looking at the assumptions that stand behind that objection. Which are? 
Well, let's start with the fact that anyone making this objection assumes the reliability of sense perception. In other words, they're assuming that their five physical senses communicate reliable information to them about the world around them. Where did their sense of sight, hearing, or touch come from? Again, not how do they operate, but how did they originate? Let's hold on to that thought for a second. Another assumption the objector is making is that there are principles of logic that exist that will allow the objector to reach a valid conclusion. They're saying, in effect, that if they can't perceive something with one or more of their senses, then the thing can't exist. Reaching that conclusion would mean that there's a difference between the valid application of logic and an invalid application. Furthermore, it requires that the objector believe they possess an ability to apply reason to an intellectual problem. So, at a minimum, to even make this objection, the objector is assuming the reliability of sense perception, the validity of logic, and that reasoning ability exists, and they possess it. So, that immediately takes us back to the question of how the objector's senses and reasoning ability came into existence and how determinative principles such as those that govern logic also came into existence. Yes, if God exists and created the universe, the question of the origin of those phenomena is easily solved. God created matter, energy, space, and time, and then animated a portion of that matter and energy into living creatures. And since God possesses intelligence, logic, and reason, he was able to communicate a certain body of attributes to one of his creatures. That's what the Bible's referring to when Genesis says that God said, Let us make man in our image. Also, as an omniscient being, God is able to create the rules and principles that govern the acquisition and use of knowledge. But if you eliminate God from the creation equation... I do like that. The creation equation. Thank you. If you eliminate God from the creation equation, then you eliminate the originating intelligent direction that provides a logical and reasonable explanation for how logic, purpose, and reason exist. So you have to try to formulate an explanation of such obviously well-ordered personal phenomena using only matter and energy that could only possibly interact randomly and chaotically. Yes, but let's examine one other problem before we move on. If God did not create the universe, then the universe must itself be self-existent. That's the only other rational possibility to explain the existence of anything. An immediate problem with the possibility that the universe is self-existent is that empirical observations of the universe don't agree with this possibility. In other words, science does not support this conclusion. Irrefutable logic tells us that anything that is self-existent would have to be eternal. After all, if something possesses the power of existence in and of itself, it would always have been in existence and always will be in existence. But even if you accept the conventional wisdom of today that the universe began with a Big Bang, that would mean the universe had a beginning. Furthermore, the second law of thermodynamics, which says that the amount of usable energy in a closed system like the universe is constantly decreasing, that tells us that one day the universe will end, or at least become inert by running out of energy. Anything that has a beginning or an ending, or both, is not, by definition, eternal. So what you're saying is that even beyond the other problems with the objection that God doesn't exist because we can't detect him with our five senses, 
Science doesn't support the objection. Right. So let's review. The objection that God isn't revealed to us by our five senses is founded on the assumptions that our senses give us reliable information about the world around us and that we can apply logic and reason to this information to arrive at a valid conclusion. But a self-existent universe comprised only of matter, energy, space, and time, and devoid of any superintending intelligence cannot explain how logic and reason exist at all. Moreover, a self-existent physical universe devoid of an overarching intelligence provides a very weak explanation for the existence of life because life requires not just physics and chemistry, but also organized information to create the millions of interacting molecular structures that make life possible. From a functional perspective, the idea of a self-existent universe is very similar to pantheism. Pantheism is the idea that all is God and God is all. And I see what you're saying. If God doesn't exist, then the universe is all that there is. The universe would have to be self-existent. But the only difference then between someone who believes that and a pantheist is that the pantheist is willing to acknowledge that there is intelligence present within the universe. But the pantheist doesn't see a difference between the intelligence and the physical machinery of the cosmos. Pan means all. Hence, pantheism sees everything in the universe as being part of God and God as being part of everything. This is quite different from the Christian view of God and his creation. The Christian view is that the relationship with God and the creation is that of painter to his painting. The painter created the painting, but the painter stands apart from his creation and the painting does not define or limit him in any way. Right, and pantheism as a system of thought is well known to have many problems, and in the final analysis, it's self-defeating. What are just a couple of the problems? Consistent pantheists maintain that any difference between good and evil, right and wrong, or cruelty and kindness are illusory, because everything that happens is just part of a pantheistic whole. Everything that occurs within the cosmos is just a part of the whole, and the whole is God. So pantheism makes an objective system of ethics and morality impossible. The same thing would be true of a self-existent universe where everything that happens is just another manifestation of the random interaction of matter, energy, space, and time. That's why so many atheists become nihilists. Without God to establish what's good and what's evil, what's right and what's wrong, those concepts become meaningless. This is not to say that an atheist may not behave ethically, but it's to say they point to no objective basis for their ethics. In an impersonal universe, while some manifestations of the universe's activity may be inconvenient, harmful, or seemingly cruel, those distinctions would be illusory. But there is an even more fundamental problem with pantheism and its cousin, the undirected self-existent universe. Which is? The distinction between cause and effect either disappears entirely or, at best, is hopelessly muddled. Why is that? In the Christian worldview, God is the ultimate cause. Insofar as human experience is concerned, at this point, the universe is the ultimate effect. But if the universe itself is self-existent, the physical universe goes from being an effect to a cause. But if the universe itself is a cause, then what's the effect? The universe can't be the effect if it is the cause. 
Nothing can be the cause of itself. What if someone were to say that part of the universe was the cause of the other parts? In other words, the universe contains both causes and effects. The universe does contain both causes and effects, but as we noted earlier, explaining how something operates does not explain how it originated. So if someone were to say that some distant portion of the universe contained the cause of all the rest, then that distant portion would be what we call God. In other words, we'd be talking about God's address, not his existence. And that's a key point. It's one thing to explain how individual parts of the universe behave, but it's quite another to talk about how the whole scheme came into being. A self-existent universe is tantamount to saying that there is no difference between the ultimate cause of everything and the effect of that cause. The whole concept of cause is that cause preceded and accounted for the effect coming into being. Obliterating the distinction requires an inescapable contradiction to exist. So it is irrational. Yes, pantheists try to get out of that box by just making the physical creation part and parcel of a sort of universal consciousness. But once you get past an amorphous concept of God is all and all is God, you see that cause and effect in a pantheistic cosmos quickly become jumbled as well. But today we're primarily dealing with the objection to God's existence that a lack of sensory perception of God means God doesn't exist. But actually, we do have sensory evidence of God's existence. It's present all around us. All causes are known by their effects, and God is no different in that regard. We see a tree bend and we know there's wind blowing, even if we're inside and don't feel it on our skin. My husband tells me he loves me, and while I can't see that love, per se, I can see it when he makes me dinner or mows the lawn and is kind to me in a thousand different ways. There are subatomic particles that can't be seen because of their size, but their interactions with other subatomic particles can be detected. We can know that God exists because we interact with His creation every day using the senses and reason that God gave us. Exactly. The objection that our senses don't permit us to detect God ignores the fact that only a self-existent God can explain the nature of the reality that we see around us. A self-existent universe with no superintending intelligence would be irrational and chaotic. And even if we postulate some type of universal consciousness, such as the pantheists accept, we find that concept falls apart because it hopelessly confuses causes and effects. This sounds like a great time to pray. Today, let's listen to a prayer for us all to receive the illumination we need to bring the light of truth to our friends, communities, and the world. Prayer for Illumination by the Holy Spirit Great and mighty God, You are the searcher of men's hearts and the only true joy for our souls. We worship gladly the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you came to take away our spiritual blindness and to make us alive to things of God. At Pentecost, you confirmed your presence in the world and established your dominion in the hearts of those who belong to the Son. We praise you because you are the one who strengthens us against the powers of wickedness that attack our humanity. By ourselves, we could never stand against the wiles of the evil one. But in you we have victory, for greater are you than Satan who is in the world. 
Holy Spirit, you regenerate our hearts and bring light to our mind. Since you fully possess all knowledge and wisdom, you are the supreme teacher who imparts wisdom and give us the ability to absorb and understand that which you teach. Lord, we pray that we would be sensitive to your leading. Time and again you have gone before us to find the path that we should travel, and you have never left us, even in those times we have grieved you or resisted your work. We marvel at the grace manifested to us by you, abiding with us and with the angels cry, Holy, holy, holy is our God, and worthy to be praised. We bow before the light of our lives, the Lord of the universe, the Lamb of God. In Christ's precious name, we pray and give thanks. Amen. We'd like to remind our audience that a lot of our radio episodes are linked together in series of topics. So if they've missed any episodes, or if they just want to hear one again, all of these episodes are available on your favorite podcast app. To find them, just search on Anchored by Truth by Crystal Sea Books. We hope you'll be with us next time, and we hope you'll take some time to encourage some friends to tune in also, or listen to the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalseabooks.com, where we're not famous, but our boss is.